0: All right. Again, my name is Paul Meyer. Welcome to Morning Matters at 10. Morning Matters at 10 is part of the Act 17 Accord, a ministry committed to preparing God's people to live righteous, spirit-filled lives to the end of the age. Today, we're going to continue in our <laughs> quest through Genesis. And uh, I've kind of figured out that we're going to actually go through Genesis and do a, um, uh, you know, through Genesis 1 through 11 and maybe the early part of chapter 12. But we're going to do that, but I'm going to take a little break after this week. We're going to talk about whether God is done with national Israel. I want to do that because it's a contemporary topic, and we'll probably also deal with immigration. Maybe for two two weeks we'll do those things. Today we are going to continue talking about the age of the earth. Um, I I have talked about this several times. There's a lot of disagreement in the body of Christ, a lot of confusion, And I believe that confusion really centers around the age of the earth. I believe it's because we've gotten out of God's order that the confusion exists. The conflict comes down to two things, really. One thing, has science proven that the earth is billions of years old? I say no. Many scientists do. Not accepted by the conventional community very much, but that's not necessarily right or wrong. I'm just saying there's lots of evidence for a young earth and I believe it's not, there's there's evidence for an old earth as well. But I think overall, the first question is I don't think they've proven it as a fact. Carbon-14 is one reason. Uh, secondly, carbon-14 found in diamonds, coal deposits, fossils all around the world. At this point that's happening and has been happening for many, for many decades really. <coughs> so so that's, that's one. And then the other side, of course, what does the Bible teach? And I am absolutely convinced that the Bible teaches the best exegetical sound interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2 is that it is a six-day creation. And uh, we've gone over that. But today I'm going to go through chapter 2. So we'll start, we're actually going to start in verse 4. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and earth. Now, the generation is the word toldeth, and it's throughout the book of Genesis, and it separates sections of the book. And the earth, when they were created, on the day when God created the heavens, the earth and the heavens. Now, this is not a singular 24-hour period. So when we said that on the day when God created the heavens and the earth, is he talking about a singular 24-hour period? No, because we know, according to the text, there's at least six days, right? And each day was identified by evening and morning because you started with darkness and then there became light. And that's why that's, that's how the, the, the scriptures work. There was darkness and light came evening and morning, 24-hour periods, rotation of the earth. Each one of them says that. Now this verse 7, you know, the rest does not say that. Excuse me. So you can't really have it both ways. You can't say, "Well, it doesn't mean it means it doesn't mean 24 hours in the first six days, and then say on the seventh day, well, that's a period of time." So it doesn't because it's not there. How can they say that better? So the seventh day doesn't say even in the morning. So they go, well, see, it wasn't a 24-hour period. Okay, if you take that, then you can't. Then you must say that the first six days were 24-hour periods because he uses evening and morning. So you you can't say both. I think a better way to look at this is that this when he says on the day when God created the heavens and the earth, he's talking about a period of time. Well, what is that period of time? Well, it's six days, and were they 24-hour periods? Yeah. So it's on that period of time. When I say back in my father's day, well, my father, I think, was born in 23. I don't remember for sure. I and mean, He lived 89 years. So that can say, that's my father's day. Well, what period of time would that have been? Well, it would have been 89 years of 24-hour days. Or if you were talking about a certain period in his time, like in the 1950s, you know, my dad, in those times, it would still be 24-hour days. It's just giving you a period of time. It doesn't give you this on and on forever with no no definition it is still days there's still 24 hour periods of time we may not know the exact length of that what my father's day means but it does mean periods of 24 hours of time all right so you know i think it's it's still clear And, and again when you read this text on the day when god created the heavens and earth are we confused about that do we go, I have no idea what that means. But well, that could mean in the eons of the day God created the earth. Well, maybe. Or that could mean in half days. You know, you just read it and it just says on the day. So You, mean, you know he's talking about the period of time that he created the earth in. He's adding it up six days it's as a day, creates the whole thing. it's a day. And he's just saying, he's summarizing it. He could have said on the six days that I created the earth, he just says on the day. Again, it's not hard to interpret that, or you don't have to now begin to go read, you know, millions of years of time into it. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really work that way. All right, so let's go back. Now, this was verse 4. I want to go back to verse 1, and we'll talk about the rest. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, again, in the context, he still means it's a 24-hour period of time. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all this work that he had done. So he's saying, I did all this work. Well, what, what does it mean to rest? Okay, first of all, that's, I think that's the first question. What does it mean to enter into his rest? Well, rest has several meanings. First, I believe it means literally he ceased from his creative activity. He ceased creating things. They were done in six days. And he was pleased and satisfied with creation. We know it doesn't mean that God stopped doing things. John 5 17, here Jesus heals a man on Sabbath, and the Jews come after him and persecute him. And he goes, Well, he goes, Well, my father's at work till this day, and so am I. So he talks about the fact that he's working all the time. So rust doesn't mean that he never did anything more. He's talking about, in the context, the creation of the earth. And what's so important about the creation of the earth? Well, it's more than just ceasing. He rested and in his rest, he was satisfied. And I think what it does, I think it really means he entered into his order. He said, look at my order is established. This is the world that I created. He established order and structure. That's what he means when he rested. Look at if you live in a chaotic home sometimes you know that everybody's running around doing this. you got teenagers, you got young kids, you got you know, my house is chaotic a lot of times right because of all the people we have here. But the point of it is is that it's not orderly always. And when it gets orderly and everybody goes to bed and stops arguing, you know, then you have rest. You get back into a normal order. We're sleeping. That's normal. Getting up in the day. Getting, those are normal, too. But the chaos is not always that good. But the point of it is, is that he was satisfied with it. So he's saying, this is, I believe he's saying in this passage, this is my order. This is my structure. This is what I have created. And this is it. I did it. Walk in it. He said, "This is it. We have the sun and the moon and the stars. You know, they give us they give us seasons and, and times. We have f- growth times. We have you know food coming. Everything is there. The animals. Everything. Adam's naming animals, giving order, right? Structuring his structuring the universe. This, so this <clears throat> ultimately, we're looking at God's creation, not our creation, not ours. We're not. We we have rule and authority in it." But it's his, and it's his orders, and he set everything in place. And as you go through the book of Genesis, you see all of these things. What happens in chapter three? Well, Adam and Eve break that order. They go, no we can't, we, we can be like God. They break the order and it destroys everything. The dying, they died. And you have this process then of chaos, And but he goes on, but then he still establishes marriage. We got marriage. We got this thing, but the order is messed up. The relationship between man and wife are messed up. The relationship between their kids, their kids, one of their kids becomes a murderer, right? I mean, all of these things happen. All of this negativity is because we got outside of God's order. Now I'm going to say this, and I, this may sound not really good, but I'm saying, And I believe when you reject Genesis 1, you're out of order. You're out of God's order. Now, I'm not saying you don't love Jesus and you're not a good person. And I'm not saying you don't have some logical arguments to believe that, you know, it could be, you know, thousands of years old or millions of billions of years old. There are some arguments. But I believe there's one for a young earth also. And I believe in a young earth because the Bible teaches it, not because science doesn't. I mean, if science was factual about it, that'd be one thing. But I don't think it is. I think It's deceived. <clears> they <throat> think they've assumed facts not in evidence as they would say in court so the order of god this is it man and woman male and female he created them. that's order what, what happens to somebody's life when they start thinking well i don't know if i'm a man or not i don't feel happy in my body and i don't you know they have all of these psychological issues that come up all these feelings does that produce order no it produces complete chaos we got women playing in men's sports you know and acting like they're women they're not women they're men it's out of order. It's destructive when you have sex. I mean, sex is God's, one of his greatest gifts. I have a really good sex life with my wife, you know? I still do, even at my age. But it's, all, it's the only woman I've ever been with in my life. And I'm not saying that to put you down if you screwed up. I'm saying that because that's God's order and it's God's blessing on my life, and my wife's life and our families. But the point of it is, I've seen the chaos. Uh, out of sex relationship, out of marriage sex out of marriage babies wedlock single mothers trying to raise a kid boys needing a dad and there's no dad around you know this 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 stuff has created chaos in the world and all of this whole social destruction right now with tran- transgenderism and homosexuality all of those things are out of god's order I mean, you can argue that homosexuality is wrong purely on a natural order it has nothing to do with sin or god It has to do specifically with our body parts. The male and female go together perfectly and they reproduce life and they raise kids when they do that right. And when they raise their kids right and when, you know, husband and wife have a proper relationship, a relationship with God is in order, relationship with their government is in order. You know, all of the things that that God has established in the world. This is his world, this is his order. And when we walk outside of it, we find chaos and destruction everywhere. In the world we have wars going on, we've got, you know, it's it's just horrific what's happening in the world. Plus the personal lives of people, the divorce, the you know, the 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 anger, the 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 genocide in places just all of the things that we've seen throughout history it's like look all of it's because we didn't follow god's order and i believe it all goes back to genesis he made it in six days he rested on the seventh and said now you honor that by taking the sabbath and then secondly it it also has to do with salvation and entering into god's rest so order brings us rest Structure brings us rest. Rest is entering God's order and structure in the world. That's what it is, and I believe it starts with Genesis, the sixth, uh, Genesis one one five through. The, oh, I right, know Genesis, Genesis one and two. All right, but let's give some other context to this. It's uh, let's go back and let's kind of prove it. Remember the Sabbath day, Exodus twenty eleven, to keep it holy. What's the Sabbath day? Is that a period of time? Yeah, from. Evening on Friday to evening on Saturday. It's a period of time. It's a 24-hour period. Sabbath is. Now, there are other kinds of Sabbath. We had the seventh year. There was a Sabbath rest of the, you know, they would, you know, forgive all debts, right? They would let the land lie fallow. They would let it rest and recover. It was God's order. Why do we have food that's so ungood and we have to use GMO and all this stuff? Because we don't follow God's order in, the, in, the, in letting the plants rest. Israel was to not plant seed on the, in this eighth year at all. They were to live off what grew naturally in the land. They let the land rest and grow back and, and heal itself, entering into God's order. God's order. We're not in God's order. We're doing all this stuff. We artificially make things, and we, we keep trying to do everything without really following God's ways. And that's what we're struggling with in the world. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day of the Sabbath to the Lord your God, now I don't mean that you I don't believe you have to worship actually on Saturday, but I do believe you have to take a day of, of worship and spend that time with God and and worship him and honor him for having created the world in six days. <clears throat> on it you should not do any work. You or your son or your daughters, your male servant, female servant, your livestock, and the sojourner who is within your gates. Now, the Jews got really legalistic about that, you know, and they said, Well, you can't do this, and they had all these rules trying to obey this. It was just simply it's just saying, look, it' Don't be out making money and trying to f- do things on the seventh day. Just rest on that day and trust God that he's going to provide. Let it go. Now, some people have to work on Sunday or Saturday. I know it's hard. Our culture is very different. We don't have a biblical culture, culture in that way. But I'm saying find a way to rest. Find a way to enter into that rest that is supposed to be. It's for us. God made the Sabbath for us, not him. <laughs> he did it for us. Um For six days, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That Sabbath day is a 24-hour period. In verse chapter 31, 12 through 17, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths what is that? Every Saturday, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord God, sanctify you or make you special, set you apart. You should keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who prays it, should profanes it, shall be put to death. It was pretty serious to God. Whoever does not, who does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but in the seventh day is a solemn, uh, is a Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord, holy to the Lord. What does it mean? It's separated for God. I'm going to honor you today. We do it every day, and we can. And you, Sometimes you can't meet on, a, on that certain day. Well, maybe you meet another, but you set aside time to worship God. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day should be put to death. That's a serious commandment. I don't know if they ever did it, but the truth is that God was saying, Hey, this is very serious. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations. as the covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. I believe when we take that day we are worshiping God who made the heavens and the earth. And more than that, we're worshiping his order, his structure, his creation, the way he made things. It's a worldview. It's a lifestyle. It's, I'm going to follow God and do the things that he said to do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right? This is this is a focused, You know, it's a lifestyle focus on that God made the heavens and the earth in six days. And he set aside a day so we would honor him and I believe that's what it's for now there's, there's other aspects to it and I believe the third I think I told you was salvation and obedience to God now it necessarily means salvation fully but I think it does but it means more than that Psalm 95 10-11 through 11, therefore actually it's actually 1-11 through 11, therefore while the promise of entering his rest still stands let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it so what's he talking about? Well, he says, For good news came to us just as, it, as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because, benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as it is said, and I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. He's talking about Israel in the, in the wilderness. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day. So God finished finished this structure. And again, in this passage, he says, they shall not enter my rest. Well, why aren't they entering his rest? Because they didn't honor his rest. Not only just the seventh day, but they didn't honor his order. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words he already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for his people. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Well, what does that mean? It means you can't earn your way to God Entering his, honoring the Sabbath, is it's not like it's a work you can do and you're good to heaven. But the point of it is, are you being in a relationship? But you're at least acknowledging, because that's a hard issue. Salvation is a hard issue. But he's saying you're acknowledging God's order and his structure in your world. He said, therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, here he brings it into, you know, what it means today. For 40 years, I loathed that generation said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. And they do not regard my ways. Therefore, my anger is for they shall not enter my rest. What was the rest? The promised land. They didn't enter the promised land. Principally, how does that apply to the rest of the world? If you don't obey God, you're not going to entertain his promises. Look at God's in charge. You may not like it. You may say, I don't believe in God. He's mean. I don't care what you say. Fact of the matter is, he's still his world. He made it. And he says, you will obey me or you'll suffer the consequences. No, it's not like he's gagging out the whip but he's saying there are consequences. There's consequences when you get confused about your sexual identity and who you are your gender identity. It's very confusing and it doesn't end well for people. It's not like God's out punishing people directly I'm just saying it's the consequences when you walk away when you walk off a cliff and you de- you deny the, the law of gravity and the law of impact you're going to break a leg or you might die. Did God kill you because you walked off a cliff and say oh, you, I'm going to get you for doing that? No. It's just consequences of life. Sexual, sexual activity outside of marriage produces baby, which produces out-of-wedlock homes, you know, baby, motherless, fatherless childs, or children that are raised as orphans, because neither parent can take care of them. <clears throat> the promised land is the rest. He goes on. This goes into Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of it should seem to have failed to reach it. So he's quoting from the psalm. For good things came to us just as to them, but the message of their heart did not benefit benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Well, he's talking about specifically the believers, the, the Jewish people who didn't believe God. And who, you know, there were some of them were killed in the day through different things, plagues. <laughs> they worshiped, made a golden calf. They did all these things. But they didn't enter into the rest because they didn't really believe. They wasn't united with faith. They didn't commit. Faith is that commitment to trust God. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So he's really quoting this whole psalm here. Let me just look at this here a second. <clears throat> so so basically how this works it entering into the rest is entering into God's order it didn't mean that this was a period of time because i can enter that rest today right and you enter the rest through obedience and for doing the things that god says so it's something that continually repeats itself. Entering to this rest is an event that continues over and over and over again throughout the history of humanity. Until the Lord returns, we're going to be entering into that rest. That rest, say you're anxious and full of anxiety all the time. Are you entering into God's rest? Does God love you or not love you because you're you're anxious? Is he mad at you because you're anxious? No. But what happens to your life if you're anxious all the time? You haven't entered into his rest. You haven't let yourself be put into his hands. I get anxious saying I got a lot of things going on in my life, a lot of things to be anxious about. And we have to move in a few months. I don't know what we're going to do exactly. We've got a lot of things up in the air. You know, my son just had major surgery, you know, and, and you know, there's other problems with in the family. And, you know, you, you can enter. So what do I do? I, I can struggle. I can doubt and Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made in unto God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind, right? And then think about good things. So it's kind of a quick summary of Philippians chapter 4, a great verse if you're anxious. And what is he saying? He's not saying, don't be anxious. He's saying, when you're anxious, pray. So when I get anxious, I say, Father, okay, I, I put this in your hands. I put this in your hands. I, you know, where do you want us to live, Lord. I know you're going to show us. Show me what you know. All of these kinds of questions that we have, all of it, that's entering into arrest specifically. Now, I know Jesus, but if I walk my entire life as a Christian without walking into that, I may lose my faith altogether, but I'm certainly not going to be happy. I'm not going to be in the peace of God. I'm not going to be walking according to God's order. Because according to God's order, my God shall provide all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He's promised to be there with us in all circumstances. So we have to learn to trust. That's entering into his rest. There's a big rest of getting saved but that comes with surrender of the heart and then now we walk it out in our eyes. So to say that this is a, a just a period of time is just not true. It's not what it's saying. It's saying it's a specific it's specifically tied to obedience. Specifically tied to obedience. When you obey God, you've entered into his rest. Okay? So it has anything to do with the saying, oh, I could be there could be millions of years old because the seventh day is not a 7 24-hour period. <laughs> it's just it's just Again, that's eisegesis, reading into the text what you wanted to say. All right, let's see if we can get through Genesis chapter 2 a little bit here. So, if you have questions, please respond. Talk to me, send me emails, whatever you want to do. All right, does Genesis 2 undermine Genesis 1? Are there two Genesis accounts? Um, It's it's very clear. Many scholars, um, I'm just going to read a little something from here. Many modern scholars, this is from Dennis Prager's book, by the way. By the way, I recommend this. I, I don't agree with him. He's not a Christian, but he's a Jew who studied the Torah for years and years, and he has some really good insights. I disagree with him. He believes that it could be an old earth, or young earth. He doesn't take a stand. But, then he follows Hugh Ross a little bit, so I disagree with Hugh completely. But anyway, he says, Regarding this verse as the beginning of the second creation story, where they believe it often contradicts the first story of Genesis one. Now that's just a statement that is true of many, many people. You'll hear it. They're saying, "Ah, oh, this is it. Genesis." 2. So Genesis one isn't real because Genesis two gives you a whole different story, right? And so again, what are they trying to do? They're trying to harmonize Genesis one with the six day, six day creation with millions of years. That's what they're trying to do. That's their goal. I don't fault them for trying to do that. If I believe the earth is old, maybe I would too. But since I don't, I don't have to. I just have to see what the text actually says. I'm not trying to read into the text. I'm just reading the text for what it means. So let's read this. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and earth when they were created. We read that earlier in the day when the Lord God made the heavens and earth. I already read that. Verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the earth. Now, that mist probably means a flow. I believe there were streams. Uh, You know, we would call them springs today that watered the earth. There could have been mist that comes out. There's some interesting things that I read the other day about the whole, you know, the atmosphere of the earth at this point was very, very thick and heavy. And it's one of the reasons why the, the sun could have been created, but it wouldn't have been able to reach the earth because the fog layer was so heavy over the earth while all of these things were being created. That would go back to Genesis 1, just a possible interpretation of why the sun was created on four days. It was really that it was just there. And now because he cleared out all of the fog. Anyway, so this is, you know, this is what it's saying. So he's saying, um, the Lord, <clears throat> there was no there was no bushes or plants. Nothing was yet alive. Now, does that contradict... Chapter one. Well, in chapter one, on day three, he created all these and all these things, right? So he's talking here. So is, he, is this a contradiction? No, I don't think so. Because what happens next? And mist was going watering the whole face of the earth. Verse six. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for evil, the tree of life in the midst of that garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what we see here is a paragraph summarizing parts of what happened in Genesis chapter 1. It's not a different account. He's saying, okay, there was no, nothing had happened yet, right? There was no, you're just saying, I hadn't caused plants to come into being. Then he skips from verse 6 to what would be the end of chapter 1, where he says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. So he doesn't tell you all the animals being created. He doesn't tell you the sea creatures being created. He doesn't tell you the sun and the moon and the stars being created. And he doesn't tell you the plants and the and earth. And the, um, bushes and, and food on trees being created. He doesn't tell you about any of that. He just says at one point there was nothing. And he's making the point because there was no man to work the ground. So <clears throat> you couldn't have been all this. You needed all this. You needed a man to work the ground. So he just skips from really the end of day two, right, before the, the plants sprout out, and he skips to the end of of, uh, of day five. <clears throat> the end of day five, because on day five he created he created all the animal all the Sea creature. And then on the day five, he created the land animals and created Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Excuse me. So, and then we say, well, okay. So here's the contradiction. And the Lord God planted a garden in the east. And then the man. Then he says, all of these things grew up, and all these plants and everything came to be. No, that's not a contradiction either. That's in addition to chapter one. So if you were taking the whole story, he creates the ground, creates plants, creates the sun and the stars. He creates sea creatures. He creates animals. He creates Adam, right? So he just left all of that out. And then he says, and then he planted a garden in, the, in, in Eden. It doesn't mean there wasn't life on the rest of the earth. There was. Again, he's, it's this shortened version, and there's a reason for this version. It's not that he's trying to be confusing. He has a point. And I would ask you to think about this. What is the point of chapter 2? Because again, if you believe the Bible is the word of God, you, first of all, you don't believe it contradicts. They're not contradictory to each other. Contradictory. If you believe they're contradictory and you hold to that, then you really have a very poor view of the scriptures and hermeneutics. Now there are things we don't understand, but it doesn't mean there's a contradiction. In fact, I would say to you, you cannot have contradictions, true contradictions in the book. If we don't understand it, it may appear to be a contradiction, but I don't believe it is a contradiction. I believe the Bible does not contradict itself because God wrote it and it's what He wanted us to have, what He what He wanted us to have, what He said. It does not contradict itself because God does not contradict Himself. Yes, there are apparent contradictions. But again, your underlying philosophy matters. If you believe the Bible is not the Word of God, you're looking for contradictions. Say, ah, what do you do with this one? What do you do with that one? Right? No, that's not how I look at it. I look at it as the Word of God. I believe it's the Word of God, so I'm I'm looking to resolve conflicts, not create more, or not to reject the Bible because there are contradictions, appear to be contradictions. You know, there, I mean, there's lots of illustrations. I mean, there's it's like, in, in, and for years, years, uh, liberal scholarship has done everything it can to undermine the Bible and gone through all of the Gospels and say, well, this contradicts this. This story happened this way, and they they don't understand that most of those have all been resolved. <laughs> Mostly it has to do with genre and authorship, and then who they were writing to, and they left things out. It wasn't a newspaper article. There weren't four newspaper articles. They were four Gospels. They were unique. They were a unique genre of writing. And so it doesn't work that way. But again, people, you know, God says it's the glory of God to hide a matter and and the glory of a king to reveal it. In other words, leaders are supposed to figure these things out. It may seem contradictory, but it's not. So what happens? I believe what's happened is here. He's created all the earth. Everything is like He said in chapter one. Now, after he did that, he creates Adam and Eve. And then he created the Garden of Eden. And he created the Garden of Eden specifically for Adam to specifically go in and rule over. I mean, the whole earth was massive. He couldn't have ruled over it by himself, but he could rule over the Garden of Eden. Now, maybe he could have ruled the whole earth. He had the authority to do so. But the point of it is he created the Garden of Eden because he set up what was going to happen next, which was what? The fall. So so let's, let's go ahead and read this then. It says, and... The Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. He put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the side of good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge and good of evil, and evil as well. So in the Garden of Eden is where this whole event's going to take place. And Adam is there by himself. So is that contradictory that in chapter 1 where he said he made them male and female? No. It's like, you know, that chapter 1 is this big picture Chapter two is this zeroing in. It's the it's the you know moving in and and focusing on little pieces of it, right, of what happened. And these, the whole point of this chapter ultimately is the creation of Adam and Eve. Is the creation? It's actually the creation of Eve, and the Eve, role that Eve would play in Adam's life. And you'll see that as we go through <clears throat> a river. flow. Now this is kind of interesting. This these verses. 10 through 14. I'm not going to spend any time on it. it. Just It's just, it gives you geographic locations that we wouldn't know today because the earth is totally changed. So anyway, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the literal translation of that is die and you shall die. Then the Lord's God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, and this is an interesting too, that fit means literally the whole idea of the man and wife is mirror image. My wife fulfills that part of me I can't fulfill by myself. Men were not meant meant to be alone. And it's sad in our society because we have so many women that are out all they want to do is have a career and they don't want to get married or they, they want to get married. They're all worried about their, their career and they've stopped being, you know, helpmates. They've become rulers in their own families and in the old world. And I know that's going to offend some people, but I'm sorry. That's what the book says. And you know in your heart, it's true. You're not to rule your husband. You're to be his helpmate, which means you support him and help him. He's going to help you and support you too. But the point of it is you're to support him, to help him. God made you for him. You get it? He made you the husband. He made the wife for the husband. It's a beautiful relationship and it's such an important relationship. And we are completely messing it up today. Again, out of God's order. We're going to do our own thing. Now the Lord out of the ground. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever whatever the man called the called every living creature. That was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. Okay. Now, some people say, Hugh Ross makes a big point of this. Um, well, he couldn't have possibly named them all in a day. It doesn't say he named them all of a day. Just say that he named them all. That would be reading into the text. Now, it may seem like he was saying he made them, he named them all a day, but he could have been naming them for weeks. He could have been naming them for months. That doesn't mean it all happened in one day. That's not the point of what he's saying. This is the point. He gave names to all of them, but for Adam, there was not a found a helper to fit for him, a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Now, if you look at the human ribs, we all have the same number of ribs. People say, well, this is metaphorical. I don't know if it's metaphorical or not, but I know the point of it is, is that he made Adam from Eve from Adam's side, a part of him, and he made them fit together. Now, maybe he just gave Adam a new rib. Maybe Adam only had one rib, had had one rib short. We don't know. That's not the point. The point of it is, is Adam realized he was alone. He closed up the place with flesh, and the rib that he had taken from man, he made woman and brought her to him and said, brought her to the man. The man said, this is at last, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and wife were both naked and were not ashamed. When the fall happens, they have to close themselves because something changed deep inside. You know, we have nudists and people that want to live without clothes today. But that's because they've you know, they don't understand. Guilt and shame should cover them. It's not right for you to show your body off and do that stuff. It's not okay. The reason that they covered themselves is because of their conscience. So when you get to the point where you don't care about how people look at you, you take your clothes off, you take pictures, you do all this stuff, your conscience is seared. I'm telling you, it's just wrong. And you should stop. You should be convicted of your sin and repent and return to God and to his ways. So when we look at, at this chapter, the apparent contradictions just don't exist. The Garden of Eden was created after the, after the creation of Adam. He didn't create that on, on, on day four. He created it afterwards, and he created a special place. And this was a place where they hung out, that this was their place. This was paradise plus. And it was there that Satan came and tempted them. It was there that Eve took the fruit, was deceived took the fruit and gave it to Adam who sinned by failing to be the leader failing to say to take charge and not allow that to happen there is not a contradiction between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 1 they're just different accounts for different reasons chapter 1 is the overview of the creation story chapter 2 is the an overview and the details of the creation of Eve it's all about Eve Adam needed to know that he needed Eve. And that's still true today. And again, I'm going to say this. If you're a woman out there and you've got your own career and your own life and you say, I don't need to get married, I'll tell you something. You may, there may be women that God calls to do that. There are a few. But the vast majority of people are called to be married. And wives, you are called to be your husband's strength and support. Your husband will not be the kind of person he needs to be without you being in his life. It's just he won't he won't be successful. They say between every successful be, behind every successful man is is a woman, and I believe that's true. And it's not your it's not your job to be the provider. I mean, we may need to provide. You need to work. My wife has to work. You know, people have to work or people like to work. There's no problem with that. But the idea of it is, where's your heart in it? Where's your heart in it? Is your heart in it to follow God's order? To follow His ways? Or is it to be a part of this world and get whatever you can and do it? God's, that's not God's order. That's not God's way. Many, many things that the church does and the world does that are just, they're anti-Christ. And that's why the world is in such chaos. I believe it starts with Genesis 1. When you reject Genesis 1 as a literal six-day creation, I believe that you are beginning. And I believe you're opening the door for all the chaos that has come. The world is in chaos. And it was in chaos before, you know, Galilee and Copernicus. there was all kinds of problems. But we created a whole new set of problems in the world because we will not accept God's teaching, the Word's teaching. The book teaches there were six days of creation. The seventh day was God stopped creating. And he said, it said, now I want you to set aside a day every Sabbath. It's not long, billions of years of time. But he also wants us to enter into the rest. The rest was God going, hmm, it's pretty darn good. I made it. Look at it. It's great. This is my order. And we all go, wow. What? You know, it's <laughs> physicist saying there was nothing left for God to do because of the laws of physics. Carl Sagan said that, you know, it's like, you know, it's just utter nonsense and foolishness. When you reject God, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, no, there is no God. Now you can read that two ways. You can say he says there is no God or you can just say no to God. Either way, you're a fool. The beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't believe in God, you have no wisdom. I mean, you may have wisdom in some earthly things, but you have no wisdom in the spirit realm. You have no wisdom when it comes to the problems and the struggles that mankind has. Look, at the book is God's word. It's true in everything that it says. Everything that it says. The original manuscripts are 100% true. And we better start believing it. We need to come back to that and believe the word and preach the word and proclaim what God has said, that he made the earth in six days, the sun sun and the moon and the stars, in six days, six days. I'm saying this is biblical teaching. Are there other views? Yeah. But I think they're wrong, and I think if you follow them, you're in trouble. And I think you've already brought certain problems to your life. And if you get by with it, you might. But the people that follow you and the mains that don't get it, that don't have your background, they're not going to get it. Anyway, we are done for today. We got through it. That was pretty good. I got through a, what is the Sabbath rest and, and the whole chapter of chapter two of Genesis. That's pretty amazing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I wasn't sure. And I had all these problems right at the beginning, too. But anyway, God's good. I love you. I hope you all are doing well. I really love it. If you would subscribe, you got the game on there. Yeah, my my very dry in my mouth. You can subscribe. Go to YouTube. You can go to uh, my 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 website act 17 accord you can go to facebook and like us and follow us Uh, share this with people send this to people that you think might hear from it might hear it and and please comment we'd love to hear from you we've had we've had lots of comments over the past few months and uh so you know i I do appreciate um i appreciate you being here and we will see you next week we're going to start talking about israel